It's time for Sex Talk with Lou. Lou Paget on Toginet. So, have you ever wondered if you're normal or why you feel distant from your partner? Why they keep doing that? Want to recreate a truly connected relationship? Or wondered, how do I tell my partner or kids about things? Then this is your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Lou Paget is a certified sex educator, an international best-selling author, and not only will Lou and her guests discuss the most current research, they will put you at the head of the class on good, solid, scientifically-based information and how it will impact you and your family. Known for delivering information about sexuality and relationships sans the sleaze factor while retaining all the accuracy, fun, and the you're kidding factor. Let's get to it. Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. And now here's your host, Lou Paget. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for joining me this week. Uh, what I'm going to do this week in my section lip service with Lou Paget, I'm going to give you a series of quizzes. So what I'd like you to do is find a piece of paper, a pencil, you know, paper, pen, whatever it is. Best probably, well, you can put it onto a pad if you want, you know, like a, uh, an iPad or whatever. But what I want you to do is I'm going to be asking you the kinds of questions that people will often ask me, and then I will give you the response. And then what I also do is I tell you why it's not the other responses. Because I know in the area of sexuality, we often get, well, like just as an example, I'll use this one. How many different types of orgasms can women experience? You could be choose A, 10 to 11, B, 5, C, 2. I mean, truly, even Freud knew that. And... What do you think the correct answer is? 10 to 11, 5, or 2? And the answer is actually A, 10 to 11. If we're including corgasm, the type where if you are doing a lot of strong core work, either with Pilates or with yoga, people, both women and men, are now experiencing corgasms. And the reason I did this question is it's a validation question not one to increase performance pressures like, oh, my God, i got to get a list out there and, you know, make sure I get all of these done because Lord knows we have enough pressure in the sexual arena. And what these number of different orgasms refer to is the one area of the body at that time, except for the blended orgasm, where there's no other stimulation at the same time. So the breast being stimulated, the clitoral area would not be stimulated at the same time. So these are the 10 different types of orgasms. And this is mouth only being stimulated, these, these areas only being stimulated result in an orgasm felt as the clenching in the pelvic area. Mouth, number two, breast and nipple. Three, clitoris. Number four, urethra, which makes sense because the urethra is surrounded on three sides by the clitoris internally. Number five, the G-spot and the AFE, anterior fornix erotic zone. So that's an area further up in to the vagina, further back. 
Then, and so it's midway up into the vaginal vault. Six, cervix. Seven, anal. Eight, which is a zone organ. So it's not an area that's typically considered erotic or sensual, like the back of the neck, arm, the inside of the thigh. Nine, fantasy orgasm. And this is an orgasm solely created by fantasizing. And these are women and men who can do this, and women who can do this in a lab situation. <laughs> As my one girlfriend said, she goes, whoa, that is called concentration. <laughs> and because you've got all these machines around, you've got thing on your head. But that is, so that's a fantasy orgasm. Then number 10 is the blended orgasm, where there are two or more areas are stimulated at the same time. So, for example, the clitoris and the G-spot, which are actually two different nerve systems. And then number 11, the corgasm. So what I'm going to do is I have a series of 48 different questions that I'm going to ask you. So this is going to be part fun, part completely educational, and part, oh, wow, I had no idea. So if you have been able to go get some paper or go and get some something to write down, and I'm going to give you the answers immediately after. So the information then is fresh for you. And the reason I decided to do the show uh, with the quizzes today, I met a most interesting person last evening at a friend's dinner party. And he is part entrepreneur, part artist, part former marriage family counselor. And having had an art gallery myself, we were talking about his art. So he invited me over to show me his pieces, and they're great. They're big, huge. They're like four by five foot. Uh, one is like seven by seven. And, but what he has done is he has looked at the main focus is relationships. So when I went over to Kevin's home this morning is that I looked at, because I, having had an art gallery, the thing that you want to do is ask, what are the reasons for you creating this because artists have this amazing way of seeing the world through their brain, through you know, through their eyes, their brain, and then it comes out their fingers, and that's what really. And most people, once they see something, they know immediately if they like it or if they don't. But what I also got from him is that he said, "I always," he said, "I, I far prefer to draw women." He said, I, "It isn't that I." you know, don't want to only want to focus on women. He said, it's just, I prefer to draw them. And he said, in relationship context, he uses archetypes for the men. But what he looked at is the dynamics of relationship. And he uses hearts. He, you know, I would ask, and I asked him, I said, you know, this looks more to me like it's like therapy art or art as therapy for whomever is looking at it because they're the dynamics between the female and the male part, there's so much of it going on. And these are big, huge pieces, some on canvas, some on wood, some on boards. So that was my, that was my motivation to go and look at the quizzes. So if you're ready, I'm going to start with my first set of questions. And as a result of having written my fifth book, Hot Mamas, and all of these questions are questions that get answered in my books. Hot Mamas is about sexuality during pregnancy and immediately thereafter. The 
How to Be a Great Lover is based on my ladies' book. The How to Give Her Absolute Pleasure is based on the gentleman's seminar. Big O, orgasms, how to have them, give them, keep them coming, is based on people saying, am I having the right kind or mine okay? And that's when I realized there wasn't one place for everything all pulled together. And Great Lover Playbook is the couple's book. So the information that I'm giving you, I will also cite sources as to where the information came from if I happen to have a source that's outside of my seminars. So first question, what percentage of women have an increase in their libido during pregnancy? A, 5%, B, 15%, C, 40%. Do you think it's 5, 15, or 40? And actually, it's 40%. And someone will go like this, what? And it's like, now, here's the trick. The first trimester is the one where the veil of nausea descends. The second trimester, if it's going to go away, is that's often when, as they say, the veil of nausea lifts. And 40% of women have an increase in their libido during pregnancy. And... And for some, it is an off-the-charts increase in change. There's research that validates many women's experience in this area. And sex is safe throughout your pregnancy if there are no other risk factors. And now your orgasms during pregnancy, they may take longer to get there, yet as women uh, have stated to me, I just wish I could get my pregnancy orgasms back. They were the best I've ever had. So... And what you can thank is the increased blood volume, the pelvic congestion, and the massive estrogen increase for them. And again, this is information that I found when I was doing Hot Mamas. Question number three. What is your most seductive behavior? A, smiling. B, attention. C, provocative dressing. Or D, a large wallet. A, smiling. B, attention. C, provocative dressing. D, a large wallet. Correct answer is B, attention. And here's why, you know, I I am aware of that. The others will create and draw attention to you, but your attention focused on another is truly the most seductive thing that you can do. So as I say to people, pay attention to your relationship or someone or something else will. So this, I started creating these because I would ask people, how do you show, how do you keep your interest on your partner? What are, you know, what are the things that you do to show your partner love? Is it your words? Is it your actions? And sometimes people just think, you know, things can just sort of, you know, generally just coast along. Well, that's a bit like putting warm water into a bathtub and thinking it's going to stay warm. No, you have to keep putting energy into something. You have to put the energy of more warm water. You have to put the energy of your intention and attention. And just before the break, here's question number four. Which behavior trait is the most important for your relationship stability? A, loving my partner. B, having sex regularly. C, trust. Or D, respect. 
And I have to tell you, hands down, the answer is D, respect. Because when you respect your partner, there's just certain things that you won't do. And I've seen all too many people say, oh, but I love them. But what they are doing is an astonishingly unloving thing. So we're going to our first break here in 15 seconds. When I come back, I'm going to do more of my How Sexually Savvy Are You quiz for you. And this is the Lip Service with Lou Paget segment. Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's Baby and Toddler Instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lipman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lipman on toginet.com. Christmas draws near. Here are some interesting holiday traditions from other countries. Folks in Finland visit the sauna on Christmas Eve. Since Christmas arrives in Australia in the middle of the 100-degree summers, crowds of Aussies celebrate on the beaches with beer and Skittles. The Eskimos celebrate a winter festival called Sink Tuck, dancing and exchanging gifts. In 1828, the American minister to Mexico, Joel Poinsett, brought a red and green plant to America. The colors were perfect for Christmas, so the plants, named after Mr. Poinsett, started appearing in stores. What's a word for a person's name that ends up in the dictionary, such as a poinsettia? It's called an eponym. Carolyn Davidson and Words You Never Heard has been brought to you by the Bariatric Surgery Center of Dallas. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to my How Sexually Savvy Are You quiz in this Lip Service with Lou Paget segment. Again, all of this information and the comments that I'm making I come from my five books, and I put them together into a quiz for people 
So, because I know in the area of sexuality, well, anytime, people love quizzes, you know, like, how well did I do? But in the area of sexuality also, it gives me the opportunity to answer why certain things are the correct answer and certain things are not. So, before the break, we talked about that respect is probably, without a doubt, the most powerful behavior that you have that will keep a relationship together. So, next question. What brain neurohormone has you fall in love? What's that little thing that zaps around in your brain and makes you go crazy about somebody? A, oxytocin. B, nitric oxide. C, ecstasy. All you little clubbers, you. D, dopamine. So, is it A, oxytocin? B, nitric oxide. C, ecstasy. Or D, dopamine. Correct answer, D, dopamine. And it's referred to as the fall-in-love hormone. And Dr. Helen Fisher's uh, and uh, Luann Brzezendine's research work will give you fabulous insight into the workings of the female brain throughout a woman's life. And a little FYI, long-term ecstasy use impacts your brain's neurohormones in a very negative way. But the work that Helen Fisher has done shows that it is, this is the, how you connect. And when you fall in love and you're crazy about, you're crazy in love, you literally are crazy in love. You're absolutely madly in love. Next question. When does female ejaculation occur? A, with orgasm. B, only with G-spot stimulation or the Grafenberg spot stimulation. C, this is a joke. It doesn't happen. Only guys ejaculate. Or D, just before orgasm. So, when does female ejaculation occur? A, with orgasm. B, only with G-spot stimulation. C, this is a joke. It doesn't happen. Only guys ejaculate. Or D, just before orgasm. And the answer is just before orgasm. Now, if you choose to ignore, you know, just ignore the porn squirter films and do your own physiological research. And the fluid that comes out is not urine. It actually contains PSA, which is prostatic-specific antigen, which is why some researchers refer to the source, the Skene's glands and the periurethral glands, as the female prostate. And female ejaculation can occur with any type of stimulation, not just G-spot. So for if any of you saw the vagina monologues and there was the woman who was the character who kissing in the car and the guy had the white leather seats and he says, oh my God, you just peed all over my car. That was not that. That was female ejaculation. And that was from intense, you know, highly arousing kissing for her. So she had a mouth orgasm and then that's what happened. Now, and some women have it happen all the time. Some women sometimes, and for some women, they never really have it happen. But it all depends on your physiology and the stimulation and how you orgasm, okay? As the expression from Hartman, Fithian, and Campbell is, every woman has her own orgasmic fingerprint. Love that. Hmm? How unique are we? Hmm? Okay, next question. What, which is the best overall exercise for sex? Anything aerobic? B, yoga? 
C, your vibrator or your hand. D, Kegel exercises. So best overall exercises for sex, A, aerobic anything, B, yoga, C, your vibrator or hand, or D, Kegel exercises. And actually, this is a combined answer. A and B are both correct. And what both of these will do, they'll enhance your circulation, especially yoga, your flexibility, awareness of your body, and your breathing. Because sometimes when women are being stimulated almost to orgasm, they will hold their breath. And your shallow breathing, and that impacts their ability to orgasm fully. So, you know, take a tip from, you know, the, some porn stars who say, listen, you have to pant. And with the breathing, because orgasms are, are powered by oxygen and blood. So the more both of those, the more likely you are to orgasm. The other thing you can do is just before the moment of orgasm, if you feel it building, start clenching your PC muscle like you would be trying to stop uh, urine flow. And that is the muscle that contracts during orgasm, and it could very well tip things over and create the orgasmic wave and sensation for you. Okay? Next question. What defines bisexuality? A, you've been sexual with both sexes. B, you're straight but have fantasized about same-sex play. C, you identify as bisexual. Or D, someone told you you were. So, what defines bisexuality? You've been sexual with both sexes is answer A. B is you're straight and have fantasized about the same sex. Or as one guy says, you mean that one guy I sucked off in college? You know, did I, you know, was that, you know, my uh, fantasized about doing? C, you identify as bisexual. Or D, someone told you you were. The correct answer, bisexuality is determined by you identifying as being bisexual. So it's not determined by a behavior, a thought, or someone else's comment. There are bisexual women and men, and for some, it is a gender-fluid identity. For some, they, you know, the querying, they may go from one to another. So it truly is about their own identification. Next question. What impact can anti-anxiety, antidepressant, and anti-hypertensive medications have on your sexual functioning? A, loss of libido. B, genital anesthesia. Translation, loss of sensation. C, anorgasmia, which means an inability to orgasm. Or D, drop of desire. Or E, all of the above. So you can have loss of Libido A, genital anesthesia B, C answer is anorgasmia, you can't orgasm, D, drop of desire, or E, all of the above. And I'm sorry to inform you that the, actually, sadly, the answer is E, all of the above. And studies have shown that these drugs have these impacts on 50 to 80% of people taking them. So you may want to ask if there are drug trials for why you are on them, because many times these drugs are given, are prescribed in what they refer to as an off-label manner, meaning there were no trials, no drug trial, on how it would impact the specific condition that you have. 
So you may want to ask about dosages. And let's be honest, this is your body and your sexual health. So be proactive. Don't just assume that because someone says, oh, you should be taking this. Let's be honest. A lot of physicians end up being the lapdogs of pharma. And they basically just prescribe without looking at what the actual trials have done. So make sure you have a, a good physician and make sure you take care of yourself and do your own, your own due diligence on this. Okay? Next question. What is the most powerful behavior to greet a partner with? Is it a piece of jewelry, A, B, full body hug, C, sensual penis, D, erect penis? Did I say sensual penis? I meant to say sensual kiss. Oops. Okay. And D, erect penis. So, most, most powerful behavior to greet a partner with? A, jewelry, B, full body hug, C, sensual kiss, or D, erect penis. Correct answer is full body hug. And the reason for this and why is there are very few people who have the cultural permission to have that access to your personal space. So particularly for women, if you go in and hug a partner with a full breast squishing body hug, that is a powerful message for them. And in this culture, men are touch starved. Men will often, you know, we need to be touched. We are sensual, sensate beings. And men will often go, to have massage because they are not being touched. It is something that is necessary for us as human beings. So the full body hug, that's the, and that's in the morning and at night. Okay? Next question. How long does it take, how long does a latex condom with spermicide remain effective? Answer, A, one month. You'll use it before then anyways. B, two years, C, three years, D, forever. Again, how long does a latex condom with spermicide remain effective? A, one month, you'll use it before then. B, two years, C, three years, D, forever. And the answer is C, three years. And, but here's the bad news. Without spermicide, they will last two years longer. So they'll last five years. Now the trend is really to move away from anything that's spermicidal because it's so irritating. But so if you are buying something that has a spermicide on it or using spermicidals and you're having irritation, that may be the source of it because the active ingredient in spermicidals was initially a considered a cleaning solution for hospitals. Ouch! Anyways, here we come for the break. More Sex Talk with Lou and the quiz when we come back. This is Sex. 
Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet. With your host, Lou Paget. techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more sex talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet.com. Congratulations on being the proud owner of an adorable, soft, cuddly, sweet-smelling, smiling, cooing, hungry, tired, gassy, screaming little bundle of joy. So now what? Where's the owner's manual for this thing? Where are my instructions? Right here. It's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. Infant care specialist Blythe Lippman has worked with babies for over 20 years and works extensively with new parents providing workshops, in-home visits, tips, and daily phone calls to ease those frazzled nerves. With baby and toddler instructions, you can get the advice you need on how to survive and enjoy your baby's first year. For more information on Blythe and how she can help you, go to babyinstructions.com. From 32 ways to stop a baby from crying to 14 ways to get a baby to eat and so much more, it's baby and toddler instructions with Blythe Lippman on toginet.com. the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Be here for Living Inspired with Trisha Goyer, Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Trisha will dig deep into topics that matter most to women, inspiring women to make a change in their own lives and to make a difference in the world, and maybe even deep within their own hearts. Trisha is a wife, mom, speaker, family expert, and author of 24 books. For more information on Trisha and Living Inspired, go to her website, trishagoyer.com. That's T-R-I-C-I-A-G-O-Y-E-R.com. Trisha's vision is to be the voice of hope and possibility for women of all ages. Her intention is to serve ordinary women by encouraging extraordinary things with God's help. Trisha expresses real life, real hope for real women. Is there more living for you to do? Yes. Start living inspired. Living inspired with Trisha Goyer. Thursday afternoons at 4, 3 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Welcome back to How Sexually Savvy Are You in Lip Service with Lou Paget. And my next question, given that there's been so much interest in Fifty Shades and some of the sexual behaviors in that, what does the SM in BDSM stand for? Question again is, what does the SM in BDSM stand for? It stands for sadomasochism, and it isn't S and M, by the way. It's sadomasochism together, meaning someone who wishes to experience or someone who wishes to um, give partnered play with heightened sensation and pain. So there's uh, – and really, the thing that most people do not realize uh, about BDSM, bondage dominance, sadomasochism – is how highly, highly negotiated 
this play is. There's, they know, I mean, vanilla people could learn a lot from the people who are in this type of play and prefer this. And there's, you know, some guidelines for it. It has to be sane, safe, and consensual. So, and the things that were done in Fifty Shades of Grey, they were consensual. She was the one who initiated a, anytime there was a big blow up in those three books, trust me, she was the one who initiated it. So, anyways, the, uh, here's my next question. Who really runs the show in a BDSM scene? Is it A, the dom or dominatrix, dom, B, the master, C, the submissive, and sometimes submissives will only write their names in lowercase letters if they are 24-7 as a sub, is what they might call themselves, or D, the equipment. It, after all, is the most important part. So again, who really runs the show in a BDSM scene? A, the dom, B, the master, C, the submissive, or D, the equipment. I mean, without it, you know, that's the most important part. The answer is C, the submissive. Because BDSM scenes, as I said, are very negotiated, and the sub is the one that really runs the show. If they are not, you know, if they are not part of the party continuing to go on or they use a safe word, things are over. That's it. So keep in mind that when people think, so her being the submissive, she really is the one who would be running the show, but she was not a true submissive at all. Uh, his other, you know, the other women who had been in his life were, but she most assuredly was not. And one thing Christian Gray did know is he had been submissive to the woman who introduced him to it, Mrs. Robinson, as uh, Anastasia referred to her. Okay, next question. Which gland supplies the majority of the ejaculate fluid. Okay? Now, is that A, the testicles, B, the prostate, C, Cowper's gland and seminal vesicles, or D, the scrotum? Again, which gland supplies the majority of the ejaculate fluid? A, the testicles, B, prostate, C, Cowper's gland and seminal vesicles, or D, the scrotum? And the correct answer is C, the seminal vesicles and the Cowper's gland. And the prostate does contribute some of the ejaculate fluid, but the majority is from seminal vesicles and Cowper's. Prostate adds in, and the testicles are for the development. They're the developmental tissue for sperm. So the sperm themselves develop within the epididymis, within, pardon me, develop within the seminiscera tubules through that entire area in the testicle. Then they spill out into the, uh, into the ejaculatory system that then mixes with the fluid to move it out of the man's body. Okay, here's a history question for you. What did Alfred Kinsey of the Kinsey Report actually study? A, gall wasps. B, sex lives of married Indiana University students. C, sexual function. Or D, his own bisexuality. 
Again, what did Alfred Kinsey of the Kinsey, Inst- Kinsey Report actually study? A. Gall wasps. B. Sex lives of married Indiana University students. C. Sexual function. Or D. His own bisexuality. And the answer is A. Gall wasps. He was an entomologist and had a collection of thousands of them. And it was his scholarly accolades with gall wasps that led to Indiana University asking him to create a new course on marriage. And in order to get accurate data for this course, that led to his research, which then led to groundbreaking awareness that some of these people were, you know, having sex with animals, women were having affairs, people were doing things, that, you know, the homosexuality, things that no one had ever spoken about. And you can get partial credit if you said married uh, Indiana University students because married students were the only students allowed into his course um, on marriage. Now, this is uh, an older question, but I, I loved it. This is a question. Karen Owens was a woman who did a Duke University thesis on an education beyond the classroom, excelling in the realms of horizontal academics. And she did a scoring of a number of the men who she had been intimate with. So the question is, what was the actual highest score that she gave? And this was, you know, on a range of 1 to 10, that she gave to the men who she had had sex with. And she actually, someone actually got sort of like that, you know, A++, 10.25. And that was... I believe it was someone who was from Europe. Some of the others, sadly, were like, yikes, in the small, tiny numbers. Tiny, tiny. Okay, here's a question on vibrators for you. This is, I entitled this one, Vibe 101. So when you're going in to look at a vibe or you're going to consider getting one as a toy for someone, what you might want to look at is what is the optimum RPM meaning revolutions per minute, frequency of vibration for best orgasms. And you have your choice of A, you know, hey, come on, let's be honest. Stronger, the better. Takes less time. B, 3,500 to 5,000 RPM. C, anything with a varying speed. So it isn't just all one speed. It, It has oscillations or it has a different rhythm to it. Or D, harmonic convergence. Okay, so you've got stronger the better, takes less time is A, B, 3,500 to 5,000, C, anything with varying speeds, or D, harmonic convergence. And the answer is actually B, 3,500 to 5,000 RPM. And what happens is if it's too strong, too fast, and it's too intense, you cross over that line of, oh, that's way too much threshold. It's a razor's edge line. And once something starts to hurt, if, I mean, if it's too intense, if it's too strong, and some of those little teeny tiny bullet vibes are really intense, and they can numb somebody. So what, and this was research actually that was done by Bruce Murchison, and he looked at the ideal RPM range when he was creating the WeVibe line. Now, this is a man who was a mechanical engineer at Nortel, a Canadian telecommunications company, and his wife said, you know, 
why don't they make vibrators for couples? So it took him five years to develop this thing, but that created the WeVibe line. So what I will tell you also is that the harmonic convergence, if you did pick that, I, I, I will give you a bonus point. And because what that is, Again, this is Bruce Murchison explained it to me. Because one side, if you take the WeVibe, make your fingers look like a little sideways U, okay? So your index finger's on top, your thumb's on the bottom. The vibe would be in the end where your index finger is, and another vibe would be where your thumb fingernail is, that, that area. So the thumb is it would be inserted vaginally, that, that portion of it, but the vibe in the inside and the vibe on the outside, which would be on the clitoral area, they have a different vibrational range. So what they do is that they create differing waves of vibration together to create a bigger overall sensation. Ergo, bigger buildup and pleasure. So as again, as I said, WeVibe is a good example of this. Now, here's our next question. True or false? The G in G-spot stands for God. After all, who else would make something feel that good? So what do you think it is? What does the G in G-spot stand for? It actually stands for Grafenberg, as in Ernst Grafenberg. And he was the German physician who first noticed the tissue differentiation of that site on the belly button side of a woman's vaginal vault. And online there is an Italian researcher, or he considers himself to be an Italian researcher, who is trying to say that the G-spot does not exist. Now, okay, call me crazy, but at what point do we have to listen to men tell women that they don't have something in their body? It's like, excuse me, lamb chop, unless you have one and unless you have a body that we're talking about here, don't be telling women what they do and they don't have. Shame on you. No. Just like, you know, just put that thing down and go home. That's just my little thought on it. So, and here's the final question for this section. We're coming up to our next break. Do men fake orgasms? Yes or no? And indeed, yes, they do. And they do for the same reasons that women do. It's they know nothing's going to happen. They don't want their partner to feel badly. But they fake them and they do the same thing, you know. And then they can go, well, isn't there supposed to be something left afterwards? Well, they can say, oh, I dated myself beforehand, so the tanks are dry. So stay with me, and we'll be back with more lip service with Lou Paget and how sexually savvy are you? Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet with your host, Lou Paget. Techniques and tips are her specialty. She delivers bite-sized chunks of information you can use right away that work. So stand by for more Sex Talk when we get back after these. This is Sex Talk with Lou on Toginet.com. If you're ready for a big change in your work, your career, your happiness, your life, it's time for the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 central on Toginet.com. Marla believes that with the right mindset, anything is possible. Join us as successful life coach Marla Tabaka inspires you and her clients to explore, discover, and live your dreams by developing what she calls the Million Dollar Mindset. Marla will inspire you to take action on your dreams and reveal secrets to success that will help you realize your own unique power. 
Tune into the Million Dollar Mindset for heartwarming stories with Marla Tabaka. Learn tips and tricks to building a successful business and unlock the secrets to creating a happier, more balanced life through abundant thinking and attraction power. For more information on the Million Dollar Mindset, go to our website, MarlaTabaka.com. That's M-A-R-L-A-T-A-B-A-K-A.com. It's the Million Dollar Mindset with Marla Tabaka. Monday afternoons at 2, 1 p.m. Central on Toginet.com. This is the Toginet Radio Network, broadcasting quality programming to the world. Do you want to get a contact high? Tune in for fun, inspiration, and motivation every Friday at noon Eastern Standard Time. Learn how to maximize your mojo and just say no to the status quo. Get inspired and motivated by a fun-loving coach who knows what it's like to get through this thing called life. With your high-on-life coach, Audra Irwin, each Friday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time and 12 noon Eastern. Welcome back to Sex Talk. Imagine having access to some of the best experts in the field of sexuality and sexual health so you can finally ask that question. Be it function, sensation, or something you've heard, this is the spot. It's Sex Talk with Lou on toginet.com. And now, back to your host, Lou Paget. Hello, everyone, and Welcome to this final segment of How Sexually Savvy Are You? I have way more questions that in my quiz that I can possibly cover with you in just one hour. But I hope you're enjoying yourselves and having fun. And if you have any questions, please, 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 please send me an, an email at office at Lou Paget. I'm not great with the um, just getting things on Facebook because it's not my number one thing. I don't. I have way too many things to do to spend all day dealing with Facebook. So if you send a question to office at Lou Paget, so that's O-F-F-I-C-E at L-O-U-P-A-G-E-T, I will answer it as best I can. So it will be forwarded to me, and I do the actual answering. I don't have a set block of, you know, pat answers that it will be a specific answer from me. So here's the next question. True or false? For women and men in addictive in addiction recovery, sexual behavior linked with drug or alcohol use is too often the primary reason for relapse. And the answer to that is that it is true. And which is why one needs to address all behaviors when seeking to deal with addiction recovery. And this is from my colleague Douglas Braun Harvey, who is a marriage family therapist and runs a counseling uh, center in San Diego area, and he also has a terrific, he has two books out, but the one that I had that is great, it's for clinicians, sexual health in drug and alcohol treatment, because, and it's a group facilitator's manual, then he also did one for people who themselves, but the real thing that you want to be aware of is that Sexual behavior linked with it is often the number one thing that will be, uh, is the number one primary reason for relapse. Next question. 
what percentage of our health care costs are related to sexuality? A, 5%, B, 17%, or C, 30%? A, 5, B, 17, or C, 30? And the actual answer is 30%. And this source is former Surgeon General of the United States, Joycelyn Elders, who is, uh, she's an MD, she's a, a pediatrician and endocrinologist pediatrician, and this is from the Journal of Sexual Medicine in 2010. Those numbers may actually be higher now, but isn't that staggering? 30% of our healthcare costs are related to sexuality, and the reason for that is because many times, if you have stubbed your toe and broken your toe, you do not have any shame associated with breaking your toe aside from, okay, I'm a bit of a klutz, <laughs> you know, um, I didn't see that table or whatever. But you will go and have it taken care of. Many times, anything relative to sexuality has so much shame and judgment associated with it that they will not go and have something taken care of until it gets to like a critical or a crisis situation. Okay, so taking care of your sexual health, I mean, we need to be more aware of it and we need to have greater conversation about it and we need to have much more awareness of physicians on how to address this because if someone's going to a physician and they don't know how to address it or they're uncomfortable, that person's not going to get any help. So next question, what percentage of men have incorporated a vibrator into sexual activities? A, 11.5, how did they get the 0.5, I don't know, 11.5, B, 33%, C, 45%. So, percentage of men who incorporated a vibrator into sexual activities, A, 11.5%, B, 33%, C, 45%. Now, according to a 2009 survey of 1,047 men aged 18 to 60, Indiana University Journal of Sexual Medicine, the answer is C, 45%. And actually there was no statistical difference between men who identified as straight, gay, or bisexual, and heterosexual men most commonly reported having used vibrators during foreplay or intercourse with a female partner, with 91% of those who had used a vibrator reporting that they had done so during such activities with women. So people saying, oh, only those kinds of people or, you know, people aren't using them, au contraire, uh, a lot more are using them than people have any idea. And now we finally have an attitude of, oh, yeah, you know, have your choice. Now, if you go, I had this one person tell me of meeting a woman and just being totally attracted to her. And the first thing that ended up happening when they actually went to bed, she leaned underneath the bed, grabbed this vibrator and said, here, use this on me. Well, all of her attractiveness and all of her appeal factor was like this, poof, gone in one second. And again, you know, if you are going to be incorporating it, incorporate it with the partner saying, I'd like to use this with you, not just do me with this big, huge honking vibe, okay? To me, that was just like, that was bad sexual behavior on many levels. So... Next question, yes or no, is extended birth control as effective as taking birth
birth control pills regularly. Again, is extended birth control as effective as taking birth control pills regularly? And the answer is yes. Like traditional birth control, it is as effective as taking birth control. And I got this information from uh, Dr. Lisa Rankin, Lisa Rankin, pardon me. So like traditional birth control, extended cycle birth control is 97% effective if taken correctly, and it may be even more effective. So source is Dr. Lisa Rankin, MD, OBGYN. Next question, yes or no. Is there a standard medical reason for a man to be circumcised, for a little boy to be circumcised? And the answer to that is no. There are religious and cultural, look like dad reasons, but not a general requirement to improve hygiene. So physicians telling you that there's better sexual health, this is going to be happening, that's, I will tell you right now, those studies have been debunked, and if you have any questions about this, look online for Dr. Winston Wilde, and that's W-I-L-D-E, or Dr. Hernando, H-E-R-N-A-N-D-O, Chavez, C-H-A-V-E-S. And they have done papers at peer organization, uh, sexuality peer organizations, looking at the that there really is no reason to circumcise a man, a boy, unless there is a cultural reason. It's usually because you want to have them look like dad, or if it is the Jewish original you know, covenant with God was a drop of blood. It was not the entire foreskin. So, and then the rabbis got ticked because the Jewish males were still able to keep the glands covered with the foreskin, so they said, take the whole thing off. Because at the time, uh, the, uh, an exposed glance was considered very vulgar. And so they were not able to be athletes, because athletes at that time were uh, very little clothes, if not nude. So, next question. The most sensitive skin on a man's penis. A inside of the intact foreskin of an uncircumcised male, B, the V, or the frenulum shape, the V, and the circumcision scar site, or C, the whole thing. So, most sensitive skin on a man's penis, A, inside of the intact foreskin of an uncircumcised male, B, the V, and the circumcision scar site, or C, the whole thing. And the answer is A. That skin on the inside of, the intact foresk- uh, of an intact foreskin has what are referred to as Meisner corpuscles tissue, and it is highly, highly sensitive. Now, you can get a bonus point if you said the circumcision scar site because for circumcised men, it is that area, the scar site is the only remnant of that highly sensitive Meisner's corpuscles tissue that is still remaining. Now, next question, yes or no, can a man make his penis permanently bigger? What do you think? The answer is technically yes, and it is a stretching, 
it is a basically stretching the uh, penis with weights or with a stretching device, and then it has to heal again. But one also needs to be aware of the tissue impact of these procedures. Next question. In what ways do the clitoris and penis act the same during sexual stimulation? Again, in what ways do the clitoris and penis act the same during sexual stimulation? Answer A, they both get sensitive. B, they both become erect. Or C, they don't act the same. (laughs) Dumb question. So A, they both get sensitive. B, they both become erect. Or C, they don't act the same. This is a dumb question. Answer, B, they both become erect. Both women and men experience genital erections, and many times a woman's partner during oral sex will wonder where her clitoral glands went. And it's actually done the same thing as a penis will do. It engorges with blood, you know, the the vasodilation. It it engorges with blood and raises under her prepuce. So that would be her, you know, if she'd been a boy, it would have been the foreskin. So that area has to become move back in order to maintain stimulation. So we are coming down to our final minute here, and I trust that you have enjoyed the How Sexually Savvy Are You quiz. If you have questions, please send them to me, office at loupaget.com, O-F-F-I-C-E at loupaget.com, and I will do my best to get the answers for you. And I trust that you had fun answering this. Have a lovely rest of the week, and we will talk next week. Bye for now. Thank you for being a part of Sex Talk with Lou on TogiNet with host Lou Paget. Every week, this will be your chance to be a fly on the wall and learn about one of the most important parts of our health, our sexual health. Join Lou Paget 